Welcome to a delicious hour of culinary conversation with Chef Jamie Gwen. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, trendsetters, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas to feed your soul. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and lifestyle tips, and you'll eat and drink like never before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen starts now. A very good Sunday to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, heating it up with grand guests and gastronomic pleasures all throughout this hour. We're feasting on hot topics here. So if you're devoted to fabulous food and fine wine, if you love travel and trends, the latest gadgets, chef's tips, culinary news, entertaining ideas, and more, well, then this show is for you. It's my goal to satiate your appetite this hour, and I have insightful information to hopefully make every day more delicious. You can find me serving up seconds as always at chefjamie.com and you'll find recipes and wine suggestions galore on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So I thought this Sunday I would share with you what I call my take on culinary climate control. Yes, I do believe that global warming is happening and the weather variance is so great across the country that I was thinking about what topic to share with you that would really apply to fall cooking styles. But right now, it really depends on your particular climate. So I live in Southern California, and we have been having what I hope is the last heat wave of the summer. On the East Coast, though, temperatures are dropping, and fall is slowly starting to show its colors. And in the Midwest, things are cooling off rather quickly, and I understand from chef friends there that comfort food is coming back into play. So what would be the perfect example of an ingredient that would allow you to cook with climate control? Well, no matter where you live, vibrantly colored, tenderly textured, richly flavored salmon is available for those of us great cooks that love to savor it. Salmon, of course, loaded with omega-3 fatty acids is said to help boost your immune system and said to reduce the risk of heart disease. And interestingly enough, scientists are continuing to study omega-3s and fatty acids in general as a potential to lower cancer risk. Salmon is also an excellent source of protein and vitamin B12 and B6 and thiamine and niacin. And so we know it's good for all of us. Salmon's characteristic rosy color, which ranges from pale pink to orangey red, I believe creates a very vibrantly colored plate. So no matter where you are across the country, you can make salmon your piece de resistance this coming week. Now, there are two general types of salmon. There are Atlantic and Pacific, you'll most often find. And the main difference is that Atlantic salmon is most often farm-raised, and Pacific salmon is usually wild. Now, you'll find Atlantic salmon or the farm-raised varieties available across the country year-round. And the quality is likely to be good because the farm-raised salmon can be harvested and shipped within 24 hours, and it's all in a controlled environment. 
I will say, though, that wild salmon is my preference. I like the flavor, the color, and the natural approach, but I do believe there have been great advances in farm-raised fish. And you heard Rick Moonen here in your radio, the seafood advocate, talking about how it's always best to buy fish that is as close to where you live as possible, whether it's from oceans or bodies of water near you. I always suggest that you do find the freshest possible. It's really the most important when it comes to quality. It's always my goal every week to help you think like a chef as well. So on the website at chefjamie.com, I post a feature that will hopefully make you a better cook in your own kitchen. And this week's feature is in praise of mushrooms. For many years, the only commercial mushrooms that were grown in the U.S. were the round-capped button mushrooms that everyone knows and loves as white mushrooms. But today, there are tremendous varieties of exotic mushrooms that are easily accessible, and their savory flavor and their texture really lends themselves to a wide variety of cuisines and cooking styles. Now, when I think of fall, I think of roasted mushrooms. And by the way, a great compliment to salmon too. So I've shared with you on the website, once again, chefjamie.com, everything on how to buy mushrooms, store mushrooms, even a lesson in mushrooms so that you can better get to know seps and chanterelles and enokis and shiitakes. And then I've shared some mushroom inspiration, everything from a wild mushroom risotto to a caramelized mushroom tart, to a baked egg breakfast for the morning with sautéed mushrooms and warm creamed leeks. Oh, it's so good. There are a few other things you won't want to miss on the website as well. Um, To toast you, I've written a recipe for a pomegranate martini. It has fabulous flavor and antioxidants. I mean, what could be better, really? The weekly dish, the recipe of the week, is a classic Genovese minestrone because the farmer's market still has a bounty of vegetables, but soup seems to be only appropriate right now. I like to finish my minestrone with a big dollop of pesto for really fabulous garden fresh flavor. And then you'll hear Ellie Krieger coming up in just a bit. She's the cooking channel host we all love, right? Well, she makes oatmeal overnight in a jar in the fridge. Yes, you heard me right. And we've posted it on the web at chefjamie.com. Now, Southern California lovers, are you shopping at Smart and Final yet? You've heard me talk about their incredible stores, better than ever. They're called Smart and Final Extra, and I know there's one near you. And the beauty of Smart and Final is that they have the best values in town. They have sizes large and small, but they don't force you to have a membership or a special card or to take a picture. What I love about Smart and Final is it's like a big box store with all the room in the aisles and really a great variance of products, but it's like my local supermarket with a great produce section and a a bountiful wine selection and all the dairy and the meat that you're looking for. So find a Smart and Final store near you. I might just meet you there and be sure to check out their weekly specials like Foster Farms Whole Chickens at 89 cents per pound this week. You'll also find a special when you buy any four General Mills participating items, you get $2 off. Plus, Smart and Final is having a gas card sweepstakes. You could win $500. You don't want to 
to miss it. Check it out at smartandfinal.com and find a location near you. And don't miss their national brands as well. They have incredible private brands that will compare to your national favorites. Plus, they guarantee that if you like them, try them, or even if you don't like them, they'll give you your money back. Check it out, smartandfinal.com. And stay tuned because there's lots more delicious conversation coming up. Betty Fussell is the award-winning food writer and historian, and she is waxing poetic on the evolution of food in her 80s and more sprite than ever. Stay tuned. She's really a wonderful conversation. Plus, Leanne Wong, you know her too from the Food Network and the Cooking Channel. She's written a book on dumplings all day Wong, and she's sharing her techniques. And she is Ellie Krieger, much loved by this show, and coming back to share the grandeur of grapes. She has back-to-school recipes galore. So don't touch your dial. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with more delicious conversation right after this. It's delicious and divine. It's food and wine. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Today we are honoring a living legend in the gastronomic world and taking a deeper look into the palate and prose of Betty Fussell. One of the most revered food writers of our time, Betty has written 11 books, all of which somehow reflect upon the rich history and lore of American food. Ranging from biographies to cookbooks, food history, and memoir, over the last 50 years, her essays on food, travel, and the arts have appeared in scholarly journals, popular magazines, and newspapers across the country. Her memoir, My Kitchen Wars, was performed in Hollywood and New York as a one-woman show. Her most recent book is Raising Steaks, The Life and Times of American Beef, and she is currently working on How to Cook a Coyote, a manual of survival in New York City. Betty, I am delighted to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chef Jamie. Yes, of course. Okay. Um, This will be a most fascinating conversation because I know of you and your prose, and you have spent a glorious career sharing your passion. I know that you believe that food maintains our bodies and sustains our hearts, as you speak about very often. And there's so much controversy to the contrary, the, the media claiming that food kills us. So I would love if you would for you to share your perspective. Only, only certain elements of the popular media say food kills us. That's true. You're right. The media I'm an is advocate. Always mixed and there's always a double message. And this is the nature of American society is bipolar. <laughs> and that, that is so very true. Um, advocates like myself and you, of course, leading um, all of us, um, leading the train, um, really believe that food has tremendous virtues. And over all of your years of writing and indulging, um, do you still have the same inherent love for what sustains us? Well, I'm 87 years old, and if it weren't for food, I wouldn't be alive, nor mm. would you. So, That's food very is, true. You know, food is not a matter of taste or choice. It's a matter of survival for us critters. So do we learn to love it? Um, we, and we, do animals do the same? We don't know about animals, but we sure know about the animal that is us. And the more you love it, the better you will eat. What is your opinion on the evolution of the food world, Betty, with regard to food TV 
and culinary conversations like this, do you think that we are growing to be a greater food-loving nation? Well, I don't think we were ever a great food-loving nation. I think it comes slowly to us. We have inherited a Puritan culture and a land of great extremes, Mm. and we reflect that as part of our bipolarism and part of our extreme thoughts of it's either or. But yes, are things happening enormously? The digital revolution is wonderful with all its downsides. Food is everywhere, and it's talking everywhere. Goody. Do you watch food television? Do you uh, aspire to having a a place in that realm? Absolutely not. I don't watch (laughs) any of the food TV shows, which actually I was on Food Network when it was first starting, and I said to myself, are they crazy? A 24-7 Network devoted just to food. Right. And, and just having celebrated their 20th year, in fact, yep. they've, uh, they've proven that there is an audience for it. There's an audience for sports and entertainment. Yes. And that's that where true? food has gone straight into that and more power to it. I mean, you know, it, is, it encourages people to be chefs and therefore get rich and famous, which could never have been true without the food network. And that's true. And, and I celebrate that. Whatever it is in the world of food that you know, the embodiment of it that you love. I I believe there's something for everyone. Um, I know that most of your time is spent writing and reading and researching, um, certainly not watching food TV television. Um, No, cooking and eating. And cooking and eating. a lot of time. Yes, it's a very good job, isn't it? Um, But your, your most recent book about the life and times of American beef takes a bite into the contradictions of what is very much a national identity. And I would love to know your take on the state of beef in this country. We're always fighting the myths we create, as in Hollywood and the Westerns, and beef is part of that, Mm. and the, the history of an industrial nation, which we are for 150, 200 years. So those things are opposed. Each go their own line. So that's where beef is. It's right in the middle. It's both mythical, yum, the taste of America, campfire, barbecue, cowboys, yeah. And at the same time, most of the 90% of the beef that we can get in the market is industrial or factory made. Not so good. And where do you see the next evolution? Uh, What's yet to come in the beef industry? Well, it whacks back and forth, but of course grassland and grass-fed beef all the way mm-hmm. has improved enormously. The approved animal welfare has mm-hmm. improved enormously. But it'll shuttle back and forth <laughs> as it continues to. But meantime, boy, can I get good beef. Oh, isn't that true? I, I agree. And how do you prepare it, Betty? Uh, as You're... simply as possible. I don't have a, an outdoor grill. I do everything over a cast, in a cast-iron skillet or grill pan mm. on an indoor stove. Mm. And, and you, that means season with salt and pepper well. And Let it sit yes. for a while. Sear it high. Yes. Mm. Do not overcook. You know, about three minutes on each side, and depending you, on the thickness. Get a thick one so, you know, then you can do five, five minutes on each side. And you get a glorious steak, I'm sure. Flavor. Yes. yes. And I put a pat of herbal butter on top. Yes. Well, of course you do. Uh, are you making compound butters as we come into the fall with various herbs? 
I don't call them that. I just call them flavored butters. I whatever like it. Whatever I've got around. Whatever you've got around. Okay, what other staples are in your kitchen? So we know you have a flavored butter in the fridge at all times. I have a Meyer lemon on my backyard. Oh, Ah, my because favorite. I moved to Santa Barbara because the way to survive New York is to get out. So I'm now in paradise. <laughs> and what else do you grow? And I grow all kinds of thyme, of thyme herbs, uh, you know, tarragon, mm. rosemary. Oh, beautiful. And I don't have quite enough sun to grow tomatoes, but I live in the Santa Barbara downtown farmer's market. Well, of course. And And what are you cooking now as we come into fall? What are the dishes that will grace your menus? There is still sweet corn in the fall, mm. so, usually yes. around the country. And so it's kind of the last of the sweet corn, and, and it tastes so sweet because it's going away. It's the fresh, the fresh sweet corn in most parts of the country. And the last of the ripe tomatoes, there'll still be some, unless we have a, you know, a big uh, tsunami <laughs> in September. Usually September is the best season of all, all around the country. And that's very exciting. Yes, I agree. Do you prepare the tomatoes simply? Are you um, a vinegar douser or an olive oil enabler? I'm an olive oil addict. Yes. I am a butter addict. And, of course, I can get local olive oils here. Mm. Oh, so I can good. get local feta cheese. Oh, putting that within the tomatoes. Mm. Um, every, a, a little now, I love the fact that sashimi peppers have hit the American market, so you can get those as well as jalapeno and poblano and the whole world of good Mexican ingredients. Yeah, there's really an incredible ethnic influence that graces even our local markets and to a grander scale, the large markets across the country. And I agree with you, the diversity of all of our cooking styles, I think, has evolved and elevated. It's one of the glories of America. There is nothing like this. Yes, No other... Culture's cuisine is as mixed as ours because no, no one else is quite as ethnically mixed as ours because we're great big so we can keep absorbing the rest of the world. Hmm. Now, some will say that one of the uh, greatest parts of this country is New York City, although you say you've survived it and gone to a greater place, Santa Barbara. Um, well, but because I'm 80, 80 years old, <laughs> over 80. That's too old for New York. Okay, but for, for those, and of course, when you flourished there, and for those that still live there or are looking for insight, tell us about your next book, How to Cook a Coyote, A Manual of Survival in NYC. Well, there actually was a coyote that wandered into Central Park and on that rock. How did he get across George Washington Bridge or the Hudson Tunnel? Nobody has any idea. Hmm. But a coyote is the Native American predator that was is thousands of years old. So for hmm. me, it's a very much a symbol of Native American wildlife that still exists, even in cities. Uh, but uh, the coyote survives because it is smart and wily, like Wiley E. Coyote. Yes. And... The only way to survive in a city of 8 million people on a very tiny rock, who all of whom are, seem under age 12 when you're 80, uh, <laughs> the only way to survive that, I mean, this is the instinct of the herd, is uh, the weak go under. So if you're going under, go out. That's what I did there. But I've mm-hmm. also hunted coyote because my son is a mountain man in Montana. So I have eaten coyote, and I have a beautiful coyote pelt in my apartment. Well, ever a a winding story of Coyote and New York City, and we can't wait to see how you weave it together. You are quite a sprite and 
brilliant and fabulous 80-year-old, and I thank you and I commend you for all of your years of contributing to this glorious world that it is food. Food journalist and acclaimed author Betty Fussell shares a continuing dialogue with food on her website at bettyfussell.com. For a great read, you really should check it out. Betty, it was my distinct pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie, very, very much. We look forward to your next book, and we hope you'll come back and join us once again to share its virtues. Again, Betty Fussell, the living legend food journalist. You heard it here. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'll be right back. Providing an oasis for culinary sanity. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio as the delicious conversation continues. Potstickers, gyoza, shumai, hargau, wontons, and more. I'm in. Because I love dim sum, don't you? There's no need to venture out to your favorite Chinese restaurant anymore because you can become a dumpling master right here and right now with the help from a top chef. Making delicious, unique dumplings at home has never been easier with celebrity chef Lian Wang's new cookbook release entitled Dumplings All Day Wang, featuring her most coveted recipes and techniques for the folds and the countless fillings and all the different cooking methods that are covered in the book. Inspiring you to create awe-inspired dumplings in innumerable ways. You know Leanne from her time on Bravo's Top Chef. You watch her on the cooking channel Wax Poetic on Unique Eats. And you'll love her newly opened restaurant in Honolulu, Hawaii, when you venture to Cocoa Head Cafe. Leanne is joining us live from Honolulu to teach us some dumpling know-how. And I am delighted, Leanne. Welcome to the show. Aloha, Chef. How are you? Aloha. I'm well. And you? I'm I'm great, doing well, okay. <laughs> staying busy. Just so you know, if I could be sitting eating brunch with you from your Cocoa Head menu right now, oh, would I ever. You would have to bring your hollow legs, yeah. probably a spare stomach. <laughs> your food looks absolutely <laughs> fabulous. And I know it was a big move for you to venture from your beloved city of New York uh, to Honolulu to open a restaurant. Uh, yeah. That's all yeah. heart and soul, I know. Uh, yeah, no, it was interesting. I met my boyfriend, who's a farmer here on Oahu. I met him two years ago and uh, was basically traveling back and forth between New York and Honolulu for about a year and a half, hmm. um, kind of looking for a job. Uh, and in the, past, uh, in the past year, I you know, finally signed the contract for the book. And um, I guess I started writing it at the end of the summer, and by the time it uh, came time to move to Hawaii, I moved in a rush uh, in December, and then as soon as I got here, I had to uh, essentially find a place to live, move mm-hmm. in, finish writing the book, photograph it, and then open a restaurant. Well, so. you've done it all in a short time, and impressively so. Um, I am a fan. I love watching you on Unique Eats. I really appreciate the culinary commentary. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> and I love that the book is very real. So it is hands-on, real photos, step-by-step methods. And I think it proves that novices and connoisseurs alike can definitely capture the motivation to make dumplings at home, whether it be from a store-bought wonton wrapper or making your own. But there are a few essentials we should start with if you would take us through the method. Um, you, you, you need know, some gadgets. I, I guess the first thing I want to say about the book is that the book was written in layman's terms. Like, there we go. I really didn't want to write 
create a coffee table book. <laughs> I wanted to speak um, from the perspective of a home cook or an amateur cook uh, and really just make sure that um, everybody, it was clear and it was easy to understand, you know, that even though there's a lot of technique involved in making dumplings, that anybody can do it. They just, everything takes practice. And everything great does take practice and time yeah. and love and passion. There are a few necessities when it comes to making dumplings, whether it be the hand tools, the small wares, the gadgets. Would you consider, consider the steamer and the wok both necessary? Um, you know, the steamer is, again, there's always a way that you can do a substitution, for example. Like a dim sum steamer, they're inexpensive. They're very convenient to have. You can do many things in them besides cooked dumplings. So as a basic kitchen tool, I think it's a great tool. Um, but if you don't happen to have a dim sum steamer and access to it, you can always use, like, a large pot with a steamer basket, mm -hmm. or you can put, a, like, an elevated cookie rack on the inside of the pot and steam your dumplings on a plate. I mean, there, there are all sorts of sort of tricks that you can do if you don't happen to have the piece of equipment. Even if you don't have a wok, a nonstick pan with a lid, fry pan with a lid works perfectly fine. I like making dumplings because it's a group activity. Yeah, it's a party um, with friends and family. I agree. Yeah, I love, yeah. I love so, that. And it's great because you start folding dumplings. Uh, you start folding dumplings and essentially, uh, you know, everybody kind of like, what's happening? What's going on over here? And so they start coming over and, and investigating and then they hang out because they're like, oh, you're making dumplings. Oh, yeah, then they're well, interested. can I try folding one? Right, and, exactly. You know, and then it becomes the anticipation game of knowing that eventually all these beautiful dumplings are going to be cooked. Yeah, that's, <laughs> about, that's the best part. You can fill a dumpling you've proven with just about anything. I'm a Brussels sprout lover. I love the combination of Brussels sprouts and bacon because yep. you have sort of the bite pungency of a Brussels and the rich fattiness of bacon. So you've made it mainstream, um, but you can fill them with anything from short ribs to your Szechuan eggplant and pork. You do. I mean, you can really take any of your leftover fillings or, you know, if, say if you make like, yeah, you can literally take anything that you have left over from dinner the night before and make a filling. Yeah, you make a Caesar salad, <laughs> a Caesar salad dumpling. Yeah, Caesar salad dumplings. I mean, everything I have, uh, the, all the recipes are obviously from scratch recipes. I do have a couple shortcuts, like our barbecue chicken dumpling, where you can take a, you know, like the, the leftover chicken you have, and you quick, quickly bind it in a sauce that you're making. You can really make dumplings out of whatever you have on hand. And the idea is to be creative. If you want to make a meatloaf mashed potato dumpling, like, Oh, come Thanksgiving! There, uh, come Thanksgiving, a turkey and cranberry oh, yeah. and stuffing. I mean, stuffing that's a very, dumpling? that's a long, lengthy recipe. At the end of the day, you can literally take your Thanksgiving leftovers and stuff it in a wonton wrapper. Your beans, yeah. chop it all up and mix it, and Yum. then put it in a dumpling. Talk to us, if you would, about the soup dumpling I, in Shanghai. I know it has been a long, revered, uh, and very beautiful technique that is much appreciated here in the states. We're just coming into. Uh, loving and a passion for soup dumplings. And I think there's a, a real beauty to mastering them at home. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the idea, everybody's fascinated with the shalong bao. Um, so, they're act, you know, it, it takes a few steps. But once you actually know how to make the soup dumplings, you're like, oh, my God, so brilliant, so easy. I'm going to make soup dumplings fresh at home anytime. I mean, it, it might be something that, you know, what's great is that you can make the stock, the stock gelatin, which is made from pork and chicken wings, you can make that gelatin ahead of time and then freeze it. <laughs> and you just put a you little bit... You can literally freeze it in an ice cube tray. And use it so, whenever you want to. 
and use it whenever you want to. And then you put a little bit of that aspic or gelatin in with the filling when you steam the dumplings afterward, after you've sealed the wrapper, right? The aspic or gelatin melts to create a brothy liquid like soup. And then you have this dichotomy of the beauty of the warm liquid and the texture of the filling. It's outrageous. Yeah. Oh, so good. One of my favorite experiences. And I think, Mm. you know, from first, the first time I had a, a soup dumpling at Joe's Shanghai, that was very, uh, it was one of those transcendent moments where I was like, I'm burning my mouth and I don't care. And it's so good, <laughs> right? And I have a very similar experience or culinary memory at Din Tai Fung. Oh, so, I love Din tai Fung. oh the best, right? Yeah. Uh, great Taiwanese food. Um, leave us with this. On a sweet note, um, you've proven chicken Caesar salad and Brussels sprouts and bacon and then all the beautiful traditional Chinese favorites. Um, but a toasted almond cookie dumpling. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great one. Uh, it's perfect. And, you know, what's nice about the book is that I made a point to include dessert dumplings. Um, and, again, the idea is to create these really sort of unique, uh, u- a unique idea to, to, to really kind of push the, the sweet dumpling forward where you can make it with your kids. It becomes a party favor. It becomes a great way to, to rather than serving a formal dessert, you can have a fun dessert that can still be passed. Yeah, fabulous. Um, you know, I love the toasted almond cookie dumpling personally. It's mm. definitely one of my favorites in the book, as well as the uh, the bacon chocolate wontons. Are very okay, good. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll fly for that one. Yeah. Congratulations <laughs> to you. Your first cookbook release um, is certainly fabulous, Leanne. And I know the foreword by Marcus Samuelson means so much. Uh, many years of history uh, yeah. that you and he have together. And I will say, it's just so well done that it inspired me to go to the kitchen. I'll send you pictures of my dumplings if I don't get to Honolulu first. How's that? Yeah, you know, I mean, part of it is the in creating the title, what I wanted to do was create a dumpling community. And mm. so anytime somebody makes dumplings from the book, I'm like, take pictures, you know, <laughs> show your friends, and just hashtag dumplings all day long. And like, dumplings. Who doesn't love a dumpling? Well, I, cert- <laughs> I certainly love your passion, and I'm thrilled to have had you on the radio. I hope you'll come back again. It is a cookbook of Asian delights from a top chef, highlighting everything from the Asian pantry staples to what you need to know to make classic Asian dumplings and a few recipes with a twist at home. Check it out. Dumplings All Day Wong, the new cookbook release from Leanne Wong. We've excerpted a recipe for Leanne's pork and chive dumplings with soy ginger dipping sauce at chefjamie.com where you too can bring the cookbook into your own kitchen. There's more trend-setting, delicious conversation right after this. Don't go away. Satiating your appetite every Sunday, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. It's back to school season, which means more to do for the family that's on the go. So how can you keep everyone satisfied and well-fed morning, noon, and night? Well, this Food Network star and best-selling author, a woman I am proud to call my friend, makes planning and preparing delicious meals a breeze. She is Ellie Krieger, the New York Times best-selling author, one of America's 
America's leading nutrition experts. And of course, the Food Network star that you know and love who uses her easy, simple, wonderful recipes to create healthy and tasty weeknight wonders. Well, she's back here in your radio to celebrate fall. And I'm delighted once again, ladies and gentlemen, she is Ellie Krieger. Hi, Ellie. Hi, Jamie. So good to talk to you always. I'm, I'm so glad to have you back. Thank you for sharing and spending some time with us. Okay. It is the busy season. Your daughter went back to school. I know she's growing up so fast. Um, so tell us, what are you putting on the table for dinner every night now? Yeah, well, you know, it is so hectic, right? And it is so important to, you know, have family meals at home. It's so important to me. But And I'm a nutritionist, but I'm a food lover first. So I really am always trying to strike this balance of where's delicious and healthy? How can we make sure that that's together and that's there? Um, And then also things get so crazy. So anyway, my newest book is Weeknight Wonders, Delicious Healthy Dinners in 30 Minutes or Less. And really, I think I wrote this book for myself, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I use it all the time. And it's funny because I do follow my own recipes. I'm like, I know it works great that way. I was going to say, that's a (laughs) testament to the fact that they're tried and true. (laughs) Yes. Um, So I have my, I'm very, I'm very confident in that they work. And I, and they do take less than 30 minutes, 30 minutes or less. And I really included everything, chopping, preheating the oven, um, all of the elements that you need to get dinner on the table. So um, this is really important. And the thing is, I think in general, though, one of the ways where I find this sweet spot between healthy and delicious, one of the key sort of tricks is to use fresh seasonal produce and incorporate it as much as possible in as many different ways as possible. Um, And one of my favorite uh, fresh seasonal produce items that I'm really highlighting uh, right now is... um, grapes from California, because I don't know if you've seen them in the store um, recently, but they're just amazing. They're just juicy and big and, and sweet and crisp. And, uh, you know, all of the colors, green, black, and red, all are packed with antioxidants and polyphenols. So I'm really, today, um, talking about, like, lots of different ways to use grapes, because uh, they really hit the spot in every way. I, I agree with you. I think from a flavor profile, from a textural profile, from the juicy crunch, I mean, I'm a grape lover too, and I'm a California girl. You know that. So mm, yes. we get all the glorious produce you do. A, a little bit before you do in New York, of course. Um, but I remember growing up, Ellie, and eating frozen grapes mm-hmm. directly from the freezer. Like that was one of my favorite childhood pastimes. There was something brilliant about frozen grapes. And then as I got older and like you, as I cook on a daily basis, it's amazing to me to see how many applications there are for them. Yeah, it's so true. And they're in peak season through January. So there's a nice window um, to take advantage of them. But um, So but what yeah. are you making? Tell okay, us. Okay, so check this. This is like one of my favorite recipes that I can't get enough of. And literally, it's such a problem solver. Um, not, not a problem, but you know what I mean, a meal solver, I guess. So it's these overnight oats with grapes and almonds. So what you do, it's basically like a muesli, like a, a Swiss muesli kind of thing. Um, so you take equal parts of uh, basically one cup each of oats, rolled oats, milk and yogurt, low-fat milk, low-fat yogurt, and you mix that in with a little honey, some cinnamon, some vanilla. You could put nutmeg a little bit if you want there. 
Um, anyway, then I mix in green and red grapes that I've quartered and some almonds. Stir that up, and I pour it into or spoon it into some mason jars. So you have, like, single-serving kind of things. And yeah, so grab cute. and go. That's yeah, fabulous. Yeah, so cute in the jar. And then I top it off with more grapes and almonds so it looks so beautiful. Close the lid, and you make this the night before. So the next morning, and it lasts in the refrigerator for three to four days. So you can do it on Monday. You're good for the whole week. Friday. Love it. Um, and then overnight, the oats absorb all of the wonderful flavors, and they get soften, and the whole thing becomes like the texture of a pudding with kind of like juicy bits from the grapes and crunchy bits from mm. the almonds. And it's just fabulous. And my daughter loves it for breakfast. It's good if you want to grab breakfast and a spoon, you know, grab it and a spoon and bring it to the office. Um, and then also it's a fabulous after-school snack. So she'll come home and then and maybe, uh, you know, she'll just grab it. She's kind of on her own. Now she's 12. She'll do her homework. She'll grab a snack. I know if I have this in the fridge, she grabs for it first. And I know she's getting, you know, a really great, energizing, healthy snack. Yeah, no, I, lo- I love that you amped up the nutritional value because the oats in their raw form definitely lend themselves far more to the beautiful nutritional benefits rather than cooking them out, I know. So it's like a no-bake, no-cook, brilliant breakfast. Exactly. Okay, take us into lunch. I was on elliekrieger.com most recently, oh, just so you know, um, because your sage-rubbed pork chops with the warm apple slaw Ooh, yummy. is famous in my house, too. Oh, I give yummy. you credit every time, though. Oh, thank you. That is, I know, one of the most loved Ellie recipes out there, and I love your top ten, so I'm always looking for oh, them. But um, you have lots of ways to use grapes. You took us through breakfast, because you have seven surprising ways to use grapes at elliekrieger.com. Oh, yeah, I do, indeed. <laughs> What's for lunch? Okay, so for lunch, I have um, two... So first of all, I don't know if you're, you've been into kale salad as much as the rest of the nation. Y- yes, definitely but so. It's so good. And it's so, so first of all, I don't know, I would love to share with your listeners what I think is the trick to making a really good kale salad, which is, so I like to take, for this recipe, I like to take a very simple dressing of just balsamic vinegar, extra virgin olive oil, salt, and pepper. It really doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. And, but the key is to massage it into the greens. You get your hands in there. And literally massage the greens a bit to tenderize them. Yeah, doesn't and the acid in the vinegar break down the kale a little bit? Yeah. I do so that with lemon juice. Yeah, so any acid, exactly. So it, it doesn't have to um, be so tough. I feel like I've had a lot of really mediocre kale salads, and I think the difference is actually massaging the greens. Yeah, they're very fibrous if you don't pay attention to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then anyway, so here I use some toasted pine nuts, some shaved Parmesan, and some fresh grapes, halved black grapes cause, or red grapes, so juicy and sweet, and it kind of just balances that pleasant bitterness from the kale and the saltiness from the cheese and the crunch of the nuts. It just really works perfectly. I That's think a, lot a nice of people, addition. Yeah, a lot of people might put dried fruit in there, but why not use the fresh? You're amping up the volume of your um, portion, and it just works great. I love it. Yeah, I love that. And then for dinner, would you... Go with the grain. Talk to us about your grain salads because I love the idea of fruit and grains. I always have, whether it's peaches during the um, summer season or grapes as we come into fall. Oh, yeah. Well, in Weeknight Wonders, I don't know if I have this on my website, but it's in in the book. It may be. I have a fabulous um, bulgur salad, warm bulgur salad. And But what I love about this dish uh, is that you chop up um, just spinach, some baby spinach and some herbs, 
uh, some dill and parsley, and then you toss the hot grain on top of that so it wilts it a little, and some red onion, and you toss the hot grain on top of there so it kind of like just wilts it slightly so it just softens the whole thing, and then I put in um, grapes and feta cheese, mm, and tangy, it is salty, and it is so good. It's really yummy. nice. Yeah, it's really nice warm. Um, and you can serve it right away warm in that 30-minute window. Or, and then, you know, it's terrific as a room temperature. You can keep it in the fridge and then just uh, serve it. You can bring it. It's a great lunch to bring to work or something like that. Yeah, that's perfect. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You've covered it. You always bring inspired ideas, Ellie. And oh, you know, thank you so I love much. your dishes and I love having you. I know that there's more information at elliekrieger.com. Yes. And then we can check out more great ideas where? At grapesfromcalifornia.com. Got it. Good. Can I post your overnight oats in a jar on my website? Yeah, I, I believe so. We'll, we'll make put, sure we get you that. We'll put a direct link. It will be posted. The Ellie Krieger recipe for the California Table Grape Commission for overnight oats in a jar with grapes and almonds at chefjamie.com. Ellie, I hope you'll come back again soon. We'd love I to have you. I would love to. Thanks, Chef Jamie. You take care. And the same to you. Well. Talk soon. Take care. Celebrating back to school with Ellie Krieger, you heard it here. Once again, the recipe posted at chefjamie.com. I thank you for listening, and I welcome you to email me at any time if you'd like to dish about recipes or if you're looking for culinary inspiration. You can email me directly at jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. I'll leave you with this. It's what I like to call my last bite, my final ounce or tidbit of culinary information. And it's thanks to Alton Brown, this week, yes, he's the crazy, fabulous, genius, good eats cook that we know and love and the gentleman that I came up close and personal with on Cutthroat Kitchen. Well, you could always boil eggs for egg salad or for deviled eggs. But if you need a few more than just three or four, why not Bake them. Yes, Alton Brown taught me to do just that. All you do is preheat the oven to 320 degrees and you arrange raw eggs in a mini muffin tin. You bake the eggs for 30 minutes. And when the eggs come out of the oven, you place them in a large bowl of ice water to cool down. Once they're cool enough to handle, you peel them and then you return them to the ice bath until they're thoroughly chilled, then refrigerate until ready to use. It is really brilliant, right? I will say I have tested his method and it's amazing. I actually think that the baked eggs have a creamier texture than hard boiled ones do. And as Alton Brown describes, it's mainly because the dry heat in the oven moves into the eggs more slowly than the boiling method does. I think it's pretty brilliant, in fact. And so I've posted the instructions once again for baked eggs. Those are hard-boiled eggs baked in the oven, a la Alton Brown. And it's on my Facebook page at Chef Jamie Gwen. You'll find it on Twitter and Instagram as well. I hope you'll tune in next Sunday for more delicious conversation. Until then, I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I hope you continue to eat well. <laughs> <laughs>